0: What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome in. I'm Clay Travis. He's Todd Furman. And this is The Fade. We're going to get you to a breakdown of everything that happened over the weekend. Uh, Giants and Chiefs tonight. Monday Night Football to finish off NFL Week 8 action but we have to begin unfortunately with news that rocked my world Furman, I had an incredible weekend I went trick-or-treating with the kids we had a great Halloween party Titans win effectively the AFC South it appeared in overtime come back from a 14 point deficit and then, I'm not even kidding about this As I am preparing to take my kids to school this morning yes, I take my kids to school every morning oftentimes I walk them Uh, this is dad life I look down at my phone and I actually thought to myself should I tell my 11-year-old who's in a fantastic mood because he had Halloween he's got a big pile of candy in his his room should I tell him that Derrick Henry his childhood idol is potentially out for the season after a foot injury and I was like, ah, I probably should tell him because he's going to find out sooner or later. And he looked like I felt immediately, Furman. This was a gut punch of the highest order because I was starting to think, hey, not only are the Titans going to win the AFC South now, you can look at the rest of the calendar and think they might end up with the number one overall seed in the AFC. In fact, this morning, they were just a little bit of an underdog behind the Bills, a team they have the tie break over now. To be the AFC number one seed. And now Derrick Henry may be out for the rest of the season. What does this do to Titans handicapping from your perspective?
1: Well, bigger question here. What's more important in the Travis household? Is it the Titans getting to the Super Bowl with a chance to win one in Los Angeles? Or the Braves being able to close out the Houston Astros? Then we can get into the impact of Derrick Henry. and what I are think,
0: your boys well... Going the Titans fan base is a, for me, longer term fan base. I mean, I would love to see the Braves win. And my son would love to see the Braves win. That's a great question. I think in general, football is at the apex of the Travis family household sports interest. So uh, I think if we had a choice between the Braves winning the World Series or the Titans winning the Super Bowl, uh, the Travis boys in the household and certainly the Travis mom in the household would all vote for the Titans to win the Super Bowl.
1: All right, that's a fair assessment. I just had to get that out there first and foremost. But there's no doubt Derrick Henry's absence will be felt by an offense where everything has been built around the human battering ram and what Derrick Henry has meant. I mean, play action works off of his ability to keep lighter boxes up front, the one-on-one coverage that receivers like A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are able to get on the outside. Now suddenly this offense is a lot easier to prepare for. I'm not buying Adrian Peterson coming in there, suddenly erasing all the question marks they have with the ground game Jeremy McNichols. We'll see if the Titans still have a trade up their sleeve before the deadline tomorrow. But at the same time, I mean, now it's just that much more important for Ryan Tannehill to be able to have his receivers healthy, to have the Julio Jones acquisition really pay dividends, to make A.J. Brown the true number one that we saw glimpses of yesterday in that win against the Indianapolis Colts. But I'm curious to see how fast and how multiple this Titans offense can adjust and adapt. This weekend against the Rams, it was an uphill battle to begin with. I think it only gets more pronounced. And going forward, there's no doubt that this takes them away from, you know, contender status in the AFC, in my opinion, to maybe being in that second tier. I just don't know if they'll have the pieces that you need to go on the road into potentially Western New York and win an AFC championship should they advance that far.
0: What So Adrian Peterson, for those who don't know, reportedly being signed by the Titans. He's a big physical back. In fact, if you were pointing to someone who is the uh, you know Derrick Henry would be the heir apparent of they are similar in the way that they run obviously Adrian Peterson now 36 years old about a decade older than Derrick Henry roughly but I'm curious Furman for handicapping purposes we don't know how quickly Derrick Henry will be able to come back I've heard there's some optimism that he could be back for the playoffs Titans now minus 5,000 Uh, to be the winner of the uh, AFC South which would mean they would host at least one playoff game maybe in the wild card round if they were able to still get the number one seed they'd obviously get to skip another week if Derrick Henry were able to come back healthy in the postseason how does that change your handicapping ability uh, going forward?
1: I mean, it's a big if, and so I think what you're going to see at sportsbooks like FanDuel, they're going to be relatively cautious in terms of adjusting the odds on the Titans to win the AFC in the Super Bowl. They'll come down a little bit, but there's no reason to create a ton of perceived value when you have that uncertainty around Derrick Henry, because if this team does figure out its passing attack and they look as formidable moving the football without Henry, you add a key cog back in the fold, and suddenly you really have something brewing here. The defense has clearly shown market improvement in recent weeks. I'm still a little bit skeptical in terms of what this unit is going to look like as the season progresses. Uh, But at this point, I I think the division clearly well within their reach. But you do begin to wonder if you drop a game against the Rams. uh, I think they have a tough opponent that eludes me in two weeks as well. The Colts' schedule isn't all that difficult. And suddenly it's not a foregone conclusion that Tennessee is finishing atop the AFC South Heap. I still think they do win that division because they built themselves such a nice cushion. But at the same time, their prospects to go deep, especially in inclement weather, this team looks a little bit more one-dimensional. And We'll see what Ryan Tannehill can do as the true leader of the offense.
0: I'll point out uh, the Titans going forward only have right now two teams left on the schedule with winning records. One of them is the Rams, who just traded for Von Miller as if they weren't good enough already. The other team with a winning record right now is the New Orleans Saints who just lost Jameis Winston to the year with an ACL tear so at least for purposes of trying to figure out uh, what kind of difficulty awaits the Titans they've got the Texans twice they've got the Jags again seven of the nine remaining teams right now have losing records the Dolphins are in there so it's at least worth thinking about what they might be capable of even without Derrick Henry by the way from an odds maker perspective How much does the line change based on Derrick Henry being out?
1: So for me, it's going to go a lot based on opponent going forward. Obviously, if teams are a little bit leaky against the run, Henry has a much bigger impact. But initially, I'll make a two-point adjustment for Derrick Henry. Now, if you combine that with Julio Jones, who's been in and out of the lineup, you could be talking about downgrading this Titans offense, a field goal or more, especially when they step up in class against elite defenses. And the main reason for that, the term we use industry-wide is cluster injuries. Because suddenly, if I'm a defensive coordinator preparing for the Titans, I no longer have to game plan for three weapons. I have to game plan for one. And any team worth its salt that at least has NFL caliber defenders can neutralize one piece of the offense. We'll see what this ground attack looks like and how big a falloff there is. We'll also see if other weapons can emerge in the passing game to take some of the burden off of A.J. Brown.
0: All right, let's talk about some of the other injuries that are out there. Uh, in a moment but first let's go to Giants Chiefs tonight the Chiefs have been an enigma they are sitting at three and four Uh, they obviously are incredibly talented with Patrick Mahomes you can't write them off they are a double-digit favorite against the Giants they are only however four and 14 against the number in their last 18 the Chiefs that is a lot of public money has been on the Chiefs for much of those 18 games double-digit favorite over the disappointing New York Giants What do you see here? Chiefs coming off of a tough whipping that they took at the hands of the Titans last week. What happens this week?
1: You know, it's such a tough game to try and handicap because normally you'd say this is an opportunity to buy low on Kansas City. But I don't think the odds makers are offering any sort of discounted price tag. Despite the futility that you laid out, they're 3-12 against the number of the last 15 regular season games they've played. And while they do have two double-digit wins to their credit, you do wonder about the caliber of competition. Fortunately for Kansas City, both of those opponents came in the NFC East, the same division that they're going to face tonight in the New York Giants. I mean, this Chiefs offense, let's not kid ourselves, hasn't exactly looked dynamic by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe there's a little bit of a blueprint out in terms of taking away you know, some of the deep balls and the big play potential that's there because teams have really been reluctant uh, to blitz Patrick Mahomes. They're playing a lot more zone coverage. You see it oftentimes in college, extra defensive backs out there that are taking away – the ball going over the top, and Tyreek Hill, not an elite route runner by any stretch of the imagination. You look at some of the other guys, DeMarcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman. I mean, these guys are all burners, at least for the most part. Travis Kelsey, from a yard-per-catch standpoint, producing the lowest numbers we've seen uh, in his 12-year career. And the bigger issue for Kansas City is they can't run the ball. I mean, there's no legitimate threat running the ball between the tackles, especially without Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, Daryl Williams is more of a plotter than anything else. They've been real reluctant to go to Jarek McKinnon. And on the defensive side, everything this Chiefs team has built around is essentially getting a pass rush, You know, paying their defensive backs because they're used to playing with a lead. When that isn't the case, suddenly you're a lot more vulnerable to the combination of the run and the pass. I'm just not sure the Giants are the kind of offense that can really challenge them, knowing that some key contributors like Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, etc. are out. Darius Toney uh, nicked up, and he'll be out there. Sterling Shepard the same way. And I think Daniel Jones is going to have to be judicious with the football not make mistakes. But the Giants will need to start significantly quicker than what we've seen. I mean, this is a team prone to playing a little bit lethargic in the first 30 minutes, and you don't want to give Kansas City a chance to run away and hide, even as poorly as their offense has performed so far this season.
0: All right, let's go into some of the NFL looking ahead. I know it's early, but we look at Week 9. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of an early read Jets-Colts the Jets get the win big upset over the uh, Bengals they now have beaten the Bengals and they've beaten the Titans yet the Colts at home coming off of a tough loss against the Titans are a double digit win for me I look at that and say I kind of like the Jets plus the 10.5 on an early read there what would you say?
1: You know, I'd actually lean the other way towards the Colts. I want to see the Jets handle a little bit of prosperity. There's no doubt that they caught the Bengals at the perfect time. Uh, What was interesting, though, to the Jets' credit, even when they went down 11 with about eight minutes to go in the game, they still found a way to rally. Uh, And Mike White made all the difference in the world. I think he finished with 38 completions. But when you dig into some of those numbers, he had the lowest intended air yards of any quarterback yesterday. And I think a lot of that had to do with the Bengals being out of position, being a little bit flat you're going to get the Colts to be significantly more engaged. Carson Wentz was embarrassed. Uh, the Titans deserve some credit for that. Frank Reich got awfully conservative after they built a the 14-0 lead. And it's a much different environment playing on a short week, traveling where now you can't use the element of surprise as far as Mike White's concerned. I think the Colts are going to be able to score. It's a question if the Jets keep up. Uh, my lean is actually towards Indianapolis laying these generous points in a game, I think, where the Colts can do a lion's share of the damage, and it probably goes over the total.
0: Um, Anything else standing out to you early on the Week 9 NFL slate as you look ahead?
1: I mean, I think the biggest game we're going to see is in the uh, AFC North between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. When you look at the Bengals, we just talked about it. I mean, you lose outright as a double-digit favorite to the Jets. The Browns didn't do much on offense whatsoever against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's see which one of those teams bounces back. We know there were intense expectations placed on Cleveland you know, more or less co-favorites in that division to start the year. And suddenly here they are searching for an identity, trying to figure out if Baker Mayfield is the quarterback, not just of right now, but also the future going forward. Uh, The Rams-Titans game obviously loses a lot of luster with Derrick Henry's injury, so that changes the dynamic some. And then again on Monday night, let's see with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can this team handle a bit of prosperity? Suddenly after a 1-3 and start, they have won three straight games. Big Ben looked a lot better, but there's not a team and a head coach out there uh, who aren't afraid to put throw up an egg after everyone is starting to buy in. I mean, you saw the Steelers struggle to dispatch the Seahawks. Uh, I'm not sure they should be nearly a touchdown favorite against the Bears, but want to dig in a little bit further and see if Justin Fields can find any success since the Bears finally unleashed his running ability as he went for north of 100 yards in a loss against the 49ers.
0: Furman, you have no respect at all for Michigan State. You've insulted them consistently every week all That's season correct. long. They are now 8-0. Yep. I went on uh, the Fox pregame show on uh, Saturday morning and I gave my blood bank guarantee Michigan State to cover and win. They come back from a 16-point deficit. My wife blew my phone up as a Michigan Wolverine fan. She was not happy that I called Michigan for the loss. Uh, So we now have two uh, teams that are undefeated in the Big Ten. Uh, Not undefeated overall because Ohio State lost to Oregon but you have Ohio State, you have Michigan State. Uh, As we look forward I think there's maybe a little bit of a challenge. Michigan State's only a three-point favorite on the road against Purdue who has shown to have a decent little chance at pulling off some upsets. You got some intriguing games. Auburn against Texas A&M really kind of a battle to see who might be the second best uh, sorry, third best team in the SEC. Georgia goes out and completely dominates uh, against, uh, against Florida. Bama crazily 28 or 29 point favorite uh, in this game. Tennessee on the road against Kentucky is intriguing. This game may end up a pick 'em. I think the Wildcats opened as a five point favorite. Lots of money rolling in on Tennessee after the loss Kentucky had to Mississippi State. What are you looking at in the college football firmament so to speak? Again, not a lot of great top 25 matchups as we roll into week 10 of the college football season.
1: Well, you mentioned that Tennessee-Kentucky game, and I think that's an interesting place to start because the Wildcats got up 10 nothing in Starkville, and I would have been impressed if they were able to go in there and win because I think this Mississippi State team is vastly underrated as far as the national media is concerned. Uh, what State did to completely shut down Kentucky's ability to run the football was pretty remarkable, and I think Tennessee, while they aren't exactly stout defensively, has enough in the trenches that they can take away some of the explosive big play potential that Kentucky is going to try and employ there. I think with an extra week to heal up, you're going to get a fresher Tennessee team as well and would not be shocked whatsoever to see them pull off the modest upset in a game where, as you talked about, we've already seen money come in on the Vols uh, under the key number of three, trending towards Pickham at this point. When you look elsewhere in the SEC, Auburn and AM, and a again, extra rest to prepare. Auburn didn't blow me away with their second-half performance against Ole Miss, and that was a game where the Rebels, I don't think, finished with any scholarship-wide receivers out there in the field— yet they were still able to hang around. I think this is an AM defense that's going to confuse Bo Nick, stymie him at every turn, and would definitely lean towards the Aggies in a game where I also think it comes in under the total. Michigan State, Purdue, uh, it's Purdue or pass. There's, there's no doubt about it. This is a Boilermakers defensive line that will make life difficult for Kenneth Walker. I'm not going to discredit Michigan State. It was an impressive comeback victory. When you win outright as a four-point dog against your in-state rival, it speaks volumes. But again, that may be as much an indictment of Jim Harbaugh and what this Michigan program can't do as far as winning big games. If Michigan State can't get Kenneth Walker on track, and it's a big if, do they have enough in the passing game to be able to move the football consistently uh, and take advantage of a Purdue defense that I think flies under the radar as well? We've already seen Michigan State struggle against Nebraska offensively. They struggled on the road against the likes of Indiana. I think this is where rubber can meet the road and we'll see if Michigan State can handle some prosperity. There's no doubt Purdue is on my early week short list.
0: Uh, All right, those are games coming up, college football and the NFL. Uh, I'm Clay Travis, he's Todd Furman. We are talking now, by the way, you can get a $1,000 no-risk wager, fanduel.com slash clay. That is fanduel.com slash clay. $1,000 no-risk, about to go live in Louisiana. Let me see if I can get all this right. Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Tennessee, Michigan. Virginia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey Colorado, Connecticut I believe I hit all those 12 about to go to 13 different states out there where FanDuel is accepting bets fanduel.com slash clay World Series Game 6 tomorrow in Houston Game 7 if necessary Wednesday night also in Houston How would you analyze it? Are the Braves going to break the hearts once again of Atlanta and Georgia area sports fans they took a 3-1 lead, Furman and then they had a grand slam in the first inning to go up 4-0 it looked like everything was going to be perfect for the Braves they end up losing credit to the Astros for fighting back in that game Uh, but now they got their best pitcher arguably uh, on the hill although he hasn't been fantastic uh, going forward roughly a toss-up game in Game 6 do the Astros have what it takes to come back and win three in a row and break the hearts of Atlanta and Georgia area sports fans one more time?
1: I mean, if you're an Atlanta Braves fan, yes, you would have loved to close things out at Truist Park in Game 5, especially after you build a 4 nothing lead and the Astros look to be reeling a little bit. Uh, it's a credit to what Dusty Baker has there in that lineup. They've been tested. They've been pushed. I think they're now 8-3 in elimination games with this current core, and they're not going to be an easy out playing in their own building. But as far as a pitching edge, if Max Fried wants to be the ace and he wants to go down in Braves' Lord to jumpstart his career, that I think can be extremely promising. This is the kind of game where you have to go out there and provide six quality innings. You have to give your offense a chance to go after Garcia uh, and really take advantage of the opportunity at hand because we know that Houston Astros fans are going to be chomping at the bit. They're going to be foaming at the mouth. Use every sports cliche you can possibly fit in here that if the Astros build a lead, you can see the Braves potentially tightening up because they haven't been in this spot before winning three games is great, but winning that all important fourth game and a best of seven much different dynamic. Now for the Braves, they'll of course have a starter available for game seven. We're not sure what that looks like for the Astros as well. I definitely lean towards the Braves here uh, at right around plus a ten in game six. Uh, they're still overwhelming favorites of north of two bucks to win the series. But I do think the task at hand gets significantly more difficult every passing inning, knowing this Astros team has a never-say-die mentality and there isn't really an easy out anywhere in that lineup, especially if Martin Maldonado starts hitting it at that bottom of the mix.
0: Uh, All right. What else, if anything, are you looking at from a gambling perspective this week? I was going to ask you, I don't know if you pay attention to election odds at all. Uh, We were talking on Clay and Buck earlier got a toss-up election that's going on in Virginia where there's lots of money that has been rolling in swinging uh, from the Democrat Terry McAuliffe being favored to the Republican. Do you pay any attention to those uh, you know sort of like in England for people who don't know you can legally wager on a lot of American political events. Do you pay any attention to those numbers?
1: I will during you know presidential elections but very rarely when it comes to some of the different Senate and uh, and Republican representative races that are out there throughout the country. I do think it's a fascinating look, though, because when you're talking about narrative and what goes into it, these are extremely low limit markets, at least in a lot of the domestic areas, of course, not fully regulated by any stretch of the imagination. But you're right when you talk about other jurisdictions where you can kind of bet into it. I mean, the presidential election is typically one of the bigger betting events, as we've seen in the past throughout foreign countries for our own elections here. Uh, But no, I don't oftentimes pay a lot of attention there, but I do know folks that have made quite a handsome, tidy profit uh, off of those markets because they can be the definition of inefficiency.
0: All right, what else is out there? Anything else you would point people to? NFL, World Series, college football, anything that's getting your eye?
1: You know, I think those are some of the main things. When you look at the college football markets, the National Championship, Georgia, now an overwhelming favorite uh, to take things home there. But when you look at the college football playoff selection committee rankings, whatever the hell we're going to call it, that'll get unveiled. You're going to see odds makers adjust accordingly. And as we fast forward to tomorrow night, you know, where will Cincinnati be? Where does a one loss Oregon stack up? What are they going to do with a one loss Ohio state? Where does Oklahoma fit into the mix? And I think you have to gravitate towards teams that control their own destiny, but it does come with this caveat when you're looking at it. If you believe that Alabama can knock off Georgia in the SEC title game and you're going to have Alabama and Georgia in there, I'm not sure I can make a case to invest in any team outside the SEC for the simple fact, is there an Oklahoma and Ohio State and Oregon and Cincinnati that could theoretically beat Alabama and Georgia in back-to-back weeks to take on the national championship? I'm not sure I necessarily believe in that. One other player that's obviously been on the move, we've seen Kenneth Walker's odds shortened substantially. I think he's now in the single digits to win the Heisman Trophy. In my opinion, I don't quite think he's going to have enough to get over the hump given the schedule of opponents that they have coming up, but it should be a pretty wild race. I mean, Bryce Young, you know, now in a favorite classification entirely by himself, a shade better than plus 150. Matt Corral fell off a touch, and you have C.J. Stroud, who's going to get a big stage on big noon kickoff in Lincoln on Saturday uh, and plenty of other showcase games against the likes of Michigan, Michigan State down the stretch. So hotly contested Heisman Trophy odds there. I think there's still some opportunity to identify a little bit of value.
0: You mentioned the odds maker, uh, national title odds. Oh, uh, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia in that reverse order. In other words, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. Everybody else, I believe, I looked at the FanDuel uh, numbers. Oklahoma's in the four slot there, and they're 20 to one. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Georgia, like you said, has moved into favorite territory. They were like minus 110. I think Alabama was 3-1, to one, and I feel like Ohio State was 4.5-1. That's a really big jump from those three teams to Oklahoma.
1: And, and I mean, I think Oklahoma, if you truly believe in Caleb Williams, 20-1, to one, maybe it's worth a small flyer. We're going to learn a lot about Oklahoma, their final three games of the regular season. I don't know exactly what order they play it in, but I think it's Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State to close things out. So this is a team, in my opinion, coming from the Big 12 that has to run the table. They need to be 13 and 0 to try and get a seat at the table. But the other thing that, you know, all of college football watch, you know, how do you evaluate the Oregon's and Ohio States? If you believe Ohio State is playing better football at the time that the playoff gets announced, does that take precedence and get weighted more favorably in their favor? Then the head-to-head matchup where Oregon was able to go into Columbus and win the game outright as a double-digit underdog. I mean, I make Ohio State a favorite over Oregon on a neutral. That shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. But is the loss to Stanford more a damning criticism if Oregon were to finish 12-1 and than the win over Ohio State does to carry some weight? I don't have the right answer there, and I'm glad I'm not sitting in the room trying to figure it out. Unfortunately, history has told us that typically the committee gets bailed out. And I think that there's going to be a chance uh, that that works in their favor as well with one of those teams getting saddled with a second loss.
0: Good stuff as always, Todd Furman. You can uh, follow Todd Furman at Todd Furman. You go get your bets in. $1,000, no risk, first wager for new users. FanDuel.com slash Clay. We'll talk to you again on Thursday as we get ready for another week of NFL and college football action.